What up, Bills and Browns fans? It's another week, another episode of Bills Browns Breakdown. It is. I'm there one week closer, baby. I always get weird on the intro because it's like usually the same every time. I'm like, how can I switch this up? I don't really know, but it just comes yeah, it out. Sounds, it sounds just, really ridiculous every time. Honest. I just kind of rolled it. I, I, <laughs> hey. I don't know. But right on. Gotta have something for an intro. You, you know, know, like it was just going back to the roots, like that all starts with the uh the Budweiser commercials. Oh, like, yeah. You know, in the nineties or the early two thousand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is great. Hey, you know what? We're 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 a nostalgic podcast. We like to bring back the nostalgia and you know, uh relate to those viewers and those listeners. So Yeah, back whenever Super Bowl commercials were actually good. Now they suck. Of course they also weren't like, you know. Two million dollars, the fuck, or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, I mean, prime time. I mean, that's probably you, you pay prime time bucks to get on that real estate, right? Like that's a. Uh, oh, you want you want a fifteen second commercial on the Super Bowl? Okay, well that's five million dollars. I mean, let's be honest, man. Like, the Super Bowl is the most viewed televised, you know, television event there is. So, like, if you're right. going to pay to advertise on a on a big stage like that, you're the returns pay probably a good. A lot of money. Yeah. So, but. Hopefully you get a good, yeah, exactly. Hopefully you get a good return on investment because you're out there spending spending some uh, some bucks on it. So absolutely. So uh, this past weekend, uh, we're gonna talk about some things like what we did, you know, because I had the weekend off and I went and I had watched UFC because I was really pumped about the Stipe fight and and I got down. depressed very very quickly after that. Uh, Let down. Gets knocked out in the first round, man. Cromier is the champ. In the two hundred five weight class and heavyweight, yeah, and I so we got to see a little bit of the fight. We were uh, we were out and about um, pretty much all Saturday, but we got to see a little bit of the fight. And I saw that, and I was just like, "Man, that sucks!" Like the guy that's that's like the only pride and joy of Cleveland now. Right now, yeah, LeBron, LeBron leaves, and then literally two weeks later, fucking Stipe gets knocked out. Yeah, so the, I the, mean, the guy that's won, he's like technically one of the best heavyweights. He's went through the whole weight class and has. Uh, defended the belt the most and he loses so uh yeah so hopefully <laughs> cleveland browns you better get this is the perfect time for you guys to get your shit together so hey, you guys you guys could take the throne like the cleveland throne and be in being everybody's good graces now uh following all this all this all these shenanigans that are going on with the sports world out here it's right it's there it is right there for the tape you can always hang the hat on the Indians, though. I mean, they seem yeah. to be all right. And I keep hearing, I keep hearing like a bunch of stuff about them. Like they're trying to trade for Manny Machado and everything. It's a, uh, things are getting interesting here. So whatever they can do to compete with the freaking what Yankees are killing it. And bullpen Astros, help, man. Astros are still pretty, pretty tough. I, from they, what I hear, they need bullpen help. Yeah. And that's a fact of the matter. That's yeah. just what, that's what it is. All right, it's crazy. And that was like the strong point last year. I don't understand. Yeah, right. How but, things can change in a season, right? Right, right. Uh, were were you? I you know, bring it up about your weekend. You know, I went and watched UFC, but you said that uh, last podcast, last episode, you said that you were going to a bash another bachelor party. So, how did that go? First off, once you approach thirty years old, like multiple bachelor parties in a summer is just not a good idea. Um, I it takes me an unbelievable amount of time to recover from drinking now. And I never thought that would be the case. I used to be able to like right back at it and go like Roger on, on dance, oh, yeah. on dance, <laughs> like I used to be able to do that. And 
I drank, I literally, I didn't get drunk at all on Friday night. I would get down to Columbus on Friday. I mean, first off, anybody that, that wants to do something like fun for a weekend, Columbus is a very inexpensive, awesome getaway, man. That city is just really cool. Uh, but Friday, yeah, we get down there. Beautiful night. Um, decided, obviously, my, yeah, my buddy Matt, he was like, all the one thing he wanted to do on the weekend was uh was a strip club. So that's what we did. We went Friday. And I I don't know what changed from like cuz I haven't been to a strip club in forever, man. I don't know what changed, but like it's not even worth it to go to one anymore. Like it's it's just it's hard to describe. Like you just there's you spend a bunch of money for like it's just nothing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't see anything. Like it's just it is what it is. It's like they've they've gotten very like, I guess it's like PC. You know what I mean? It's uh, so, it, but that's what, I mean. That's what we did Friday, and then uh, and Saturday. Thank God I didn't drink too much on Friday. I was feeling pretty good on Saturday. Um, woke up. We uh we went downtown, and very you know we went to a couple places downtown. Got a few drinks. Um, one of the places that we went to was called Pins. It's a it's a bar. Uh. And they got like a lot of cool stuff. Like it's, you know, a lot of outside, very open inside bar with some arcade games and there's a bunch of stuff to do. And we went down there um, and they had like the, the beach volleyball or not beach volleyball, but like just volleyball um, beer pong and the trash cans. And so we're down there and one of, uh, one of Nate's buddies goes, Hey, do you see that guy over there? We're like, yeah, you know, big dude, just giant, this stacked motherfucker. And, uh, they're like, well, that's Pat Elflin from, uh, uh, from Ohio state. He played at Ohio state and plays for the Vikings now. Like no shit. So, you know, I did a quick, like Google it and lo and behold, yeah, that's him. Then the picture, it looks exactly like the dude. Um, so we're playing and he actually didn't have uh, a team to play. So Nate, uh, actually grabbed one of his, one of Pat's buddies and they were played, uh, that volleyball game. And, you know, I kind of just bullshit him real quick. He looks like he said he's feeling good, should be ready for the season. So if you're a Vikings fan, you happen to come across here, you know, don't sweat it. And he looks like he's ready to go. Um, and I see why he plays offensive line for, <laughs> for an NFL team. The dude is a giant. And, yeah, and then we just went out. We went downtown the rest of the time, ate, had a good time. It was uh, – Saturday got a little crazier for me than Friday did. I drank – way too way too many four dollar cranberry and titos man i mean it was like that was the special everywhere and i was sucking down cranberry and titos like like you wouldn't believe and i felt it sunday i definitely felt it sunday i was uh i was a wreck and i finally recovered yesterday so feeling feeling good ready to roll feel like my normal self now so i i was also a wreck on sunday just because of i you know i drank for watching that ufc fight you know what i mean and like right and I had shit to do like Sunday night. And I literally, I woke up at like 10 AM could, couldn't function until like two hours later. Like I was just trying to, I could just, every time I stood up, I was like, I got I got to lay back down. You know what, you know what helps me survive? And you turned me onto this stuff is that blowfish stuff. Oh yeah. That hangover cure. That shit is like a, it's a miracle drug. Now it's just straight it's, caffeine. <laughs> it's caffeine and aspirin, man. I dropped it in a big thing of Gatorade and I just chugged that shit down. And I'll tell you what, I felt great for uh, most of the day. And then like the afternoon hit and I was, it, it wore off. Yeah. So I need more Advil and I needed to take a nap. Like, like, I, you know, naps, naps are overrated. Naps are for old people. And apparently I'm there. So uh, I, because I, I never loved a nap more than I love that nap. So, um, 
yeah, that stuff works though. That's a good, that's a really good uh, investment if you're going to be drinking. Well, you know, might need some of that because uh, football season, we say it every week, we have to get closer and closer. We're about what? We're like two weeks away from yeah, camp. Man. Two weeks, two weeks from, I was looking at the calendar, two weeks from camp and uh, we're getting there. But, uh, you know, we're going to start today's show off in quarter one with some NFL news and, and just kind of yeah. like catch up on some things that are going on. Uh, who do I st- – oh, I want to touch on this really quick. I, I, I think – I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but uh, I saw a video today of <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, it's a small little clip. If you haven't seen it, go try and find it. Tom Brady's like in his pads and in his son's like rushing him as a defender. And Tom Brady ends up like juking out his son and like sprinting away, which is obviously even even Tom Brady looked super like unathletic like he usually is. But he's eighty um, years old, man. What right, do you expect right. from like, the guy? You know, I, I understand his kids like a young kid and everything. Well, I, I don't know how old he is. Was he like twelve? Probably, probably like twelve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks exactly like Brady, like his mannerisms and stuff. Like he doesn't look super athletic at all. So like, hopefully newborn, that kid, yeah, newborn giraffe. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that kid can like throw football too because i don't know if he'll be able to play any other position don't even have to his mom's a his mom's a supermodel and his dad's a <laughs> the greatest quarterback of all time and he's, he's fine he's separate don't be a lawyer or something dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah true but no yeah. i didn't see that that was hilarious yeah it didn't uh, look uh didn't look didn't look like they were uh i don't know his son like you said didn't look too athletic man but hey not at all um Speaking of athletes, I, I didn't get to see any of this because um, I, I don't think like, I didn't see really any. I heard about it, but I didn't see any heavily advertised things on this. So I didn't know when it was going to be, when it, when it was going to start. But there's kind of like a – and I don't even know how the NFL is involved, but there's like, like a professional – I don't even know if you want to call it professional, but there's a, there's a flag football league that has a lot of ex-NFL uh, players in it. So I've actually been watching this. I, I've seen a couple games. What they're doing is they have like America's bracket versus the professionals. So what they're doing right now is they're actually narrowing down the best team, like a best America's team. Um, so the guys are like former college guys. Like, uh, you know, there's just a lot of like guys that have played flag football forever. Um, and then they have the professional bracket, which has uh, a lot of former NFL players and actually Bills fans. As you guys probably know, uh, Fred Jackson is part of that, part of one of the teams. He plays with Chad Ochocinco. And it's kind of cool to watch, man. Like, you see these NFL guys. So, I watched a game that was, uh, um, like, Javid Best was on it, former Detroit Lion. Uh, he, he played against Nate Robinson and Carlos Boozer. So, like, they played against some MAA guys. Yeah and just dominated them. It was really crazy to watch. But, like, you see the difference. Like, the flag football guys, like, are making plays, but you got a guy that looks like me as a quarterback, you know, <laughs> throwing the football. And then you had Jimmy Clausen and uh, uh, Taj Boyd in the backfield for the professionals, like, just zipping the rock around. Like, But like, what impresses me the most is that these flag football guys, the, the America's team, like, you will – like, if you need a flag grabbed, they got it. Like, just like that. And that's, like, the one thing you notice with the professionals. Like, they want to wrap up and tackle. And right. They do that. Like, you can't grab jersey or anything. So, they're that's what they struggle with the most is actually grabbing the flag. So, it's, it's going to be an interesting, like, once they meet head-to-head, the best pro team versus the best America's team. It's going to be a really interesting, like, 
just just game. It, it'll be fun to watch. Um, the uh, the athletes there are are just unbelievable too, man. Like you just see ungodly amounts of athleticism out on the field, and even even the Americas teams, like those guys are are freaks of nature. So um, it's kind of cool, man. Like if you haven't seen a game or anything, like check it out. It's actually legit. So yeah, I've, I've heard the production was actually really really good. And I, you know, I imagine even like Ocho Cinco and Michael Vick, like even, even though they're older guys now that they're, they're still probably pretty damn athletic. Well, so I watched, uh, Michael Vick's team actually played the team that Fred Jackson's on. So I watched that game. Michael Vick was out there just slinging the rock. Obviously you can take off as the quarterback. So he's out there running shit. And, uh, you know, it, it came down, it came down to the wire, but, uh, uh, the team that Fred Jackson played for actually ended up winning. Um, they actually have a former Texas Tech or Texas A&M quarterback uh, as, their, as their quarterback. So, uh, you know, like, it's just – it was really cool to watch, man. Like, these guys are these guys are freaks for sure. Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure how well that basketball league, uh, the big three or whatever that Ice Cube started, I'm not really sure how well that's doing. But, I I mean, I, I think – because, you know, fans of the NFL who, you know, when they, when they have some of their favorite players retire, you know, they kind of miss watching them play after some time. So some of these NFL players retire and then have another outlet to still kind of go compete and kind of have, kind of have a reason to still keep somewhat in shape and yeah. do something like that. Like, I think that's pretty good. And I think that's what's going on with some of these old school NBA players that are playing in the big three. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I said, it was brilliant. was, you know, I'm like, were that, that were just that on the precipice of NFL football, like real NFL football. Right. So I thought it was brilliant that the NFL put this out. Like it gives you something. It gives you former athletes, people you, you know, names you recognize and it, it gives you kind of exposure and it gives you a glimpse of kind of football. You know, I mean, I joked, I was joking around with Nate. I was like, dude, this is what the NFL is going to be in the next eight years anyway. So <laughs> yeah, you must right. be watching it. But uh, it, I mean, it, it is, it's like, it's just cool. Cause you get to see some former, former professional athletes out there and it's not, it's, it's not like a charity game. It's a very competitive atmosphere. So I thought it was brilliant on the NFL's part to put that out as kind of like a, a tied over into training camp and some actual well, real football. Even, even the winning team, whenever they, the tournament's done, like it's, you know, there's two final teams. The winner, from what I heard, gets a fucking million dollars. Yeah, so, it gets a million dollars. So, I mean, uh, they, obviously, they're playing for something, right? I mean, even if you split that up amongst, you know, four, I don't know, however many people. I think, it's like, I think it's like eight or nine players I mean, on the team. I mean, that's, fuck, that's still yeah, a it's lot. like 80, 90 grand, right? <laughs> right. Like, who wouldn't want that? You know what I mean? So, I think it's pretty cool. I'm going to have to check it out, maybe watch some highlights and, and look into it and see, uh, see what I think about it further. Um, but uh, the other day, we uh, – or yesterday – we had the uh, supplemental draft. And, it was today. Uh, yeah, it was actually – it was uh, today. Oh, was it? Wait. Yeah, it was today. Oh, today's Wednesday. Yeah, it was today. Um, so there was speculation that the Bills and the Browns were looking at uh, Western Michigan standout cornerback Sam Beal, but it turned out that the Giants actually landed him. Yep. So they did like a draft order kind of. Um, what they ended up doing was saying, okay, uh, it, it goes round by round just in case anybody wanted to know how the supplemental draft works. I mean, most years, the supplemental draft is just kind of, you know, goes, the date comes and goes and no one thinks anything of it. Uh, you know, besides like the year Josh Gordon was taken and, uh, you know, there's been some guys, there's been some pretty solid players that have come out of the supplemental draft uh, every year too. So uh, one of the things that, 
how this breaks down is there's a predetermined order. Um, they kind of do like, all right, they, they look at records, they look at playoffs versus non-playoffs, the actual like order formula is a little complex, but then they, they essentially say, okay, here's going to be the order. And then what they do is they say, okay, round one, anybody plays in our, you know, round one bid on any players. And then they have 10 minutes to decide whether or not they want to place a bid no bids placed and they move on to round two. Does anybody want to place a bid on any one of the players for a second round pick? And that's, that goes down the list until somebody is, you know, decides that, Hey, we're going to put in a, a bid for this. So the giants actually had the third best pick or the third best order for this. Um, so they put in a third round when, when the third round selection came up, they put it in there uh, for Sam Beal and, Really, the Raiders and I think – I can't remember who the other team was. The Raiders were first, and there was another team ahead of them. If they had decided to put in a third-round pick, they would have been awarded that player. But because the Giants were the only team and they had the highest draft slot, uh, they were awarded Sam Beal. And that is a 2019 pick. So, in 2019, they're pretty much out of third-round pick. And that's just how this, the supplemental draft works. And the, probably the best prospect in the supplemental draft went – to a team that could use secondary help. Absolutely. Cause you know, they did draft a couple of years ago, Elon, is it Elon Apple? Uh, Eli, Eli Apple. And he has not uh, panned out really well. Oh. Supposedly he's kind of not a good locker room guy from what I've heard. And he just hasn't really played to what he was expected. Like how, the level he's expected to play when he got drafted. right. And, and, and when we look at Sam Beal, we're looking at a guy that is probably not going to come in right away and start. He's going to be more of a project guy. He's got, you know, he's got, a high ceiling, I think. He's got the tools to be a good man corner, good zone corner. Uh, he's just got to get a little bit more refinement. Um, he's an explosive athlete, and I think that, you know, it's going to come with time, but he's going to be a project guy. He's going to be like a th two, three-year down the road. You start to see him be, a, you know, a, a contributor to, uh, you know, whatever team he ends up, ends up being on at that point in time. But I thought it was a good fit for the Giants because, like you alluded to, Eli Apple has been kind of a locker room I don't want to say cancer, uh, but I mean, he's just been a, you know, kind of one of those problem guys. Right. Uh, and then, and then don't think about it, this as well. Janoris Jenkins, you know, is just found, you know, we talked about on the last episode or last podcast where a dead body was just found in the dude's house in New Jersey. So right, like, right. like with all that uncertainty surrounding there, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to grab some depth and you got the best prospect probably, one of the better prospects to come out since Josh Gordon. Uh, I wouldn't say quite on that level, but he's he's a good prospect. And, you know, that's just one of the things that I thought was a good play by the Giants. So, um, third-round pick, totally worth it. He probably would have been a second-round pick this year in the normal draft. So, you got good value on a guy like that. Yeah. Um, also, another quarterback, quarterback was taken by the Washington Redskins. Donius Alexander out of Virginia Tech. What can you tell us about this guy? Well, this guy's a, a physical freak of nature. He's got good size and athleticism. Um, well, supposedly had good athleticism. We turn on the tape, you you see some flaws, some fundamental flaws in his game, especially from a man coverage standpoint. So if you're if you're looking for a man corner, he might not be the guy to fit the mold for that. Um, He's got good flexibility in terms of uh, being able to turn and, and moving within a zone. So he's more of a zone scheme guy. Um, you know, that kind of fits what Washington does with guys like Josh Norman there. 
Uh, that's kind of what they like to do is they like to be more of a zone, a zone scheme. And he fits very well there. Tape wasn't overly impressive. I think that's probably why they were willing to, you know, burn a six round pick for the guy uh, in this, in this draft. Tape wasn't overly impressive. I was expecting a lot more out of it when I, you know, some of the highlights I saw. I, I didn't really get a chance to watch too much of them. I had to watch a little bit more at work today, just kind of see. And, you know, that, that's kind of my initial impression. Didn't test very well either. So, I mean, you know, that kind of is red flags. And he had some off-the-field issues. So, so really, when you're looking for boxes, like going down the list, like, all right, hey, we want to check the athleticism box. We want to check the, the game film box. Let's see shine on game film. Or off the, you know, he, he kind of was lackluster in all of those, and I think that reflected in the fact that he was a six-round guy. Um, higher floor, probably, than Beal. You know, a little bit more ready to go day one than Beal will be. But I don't think there's much room for growth for him, especially in the man scheme. So I think he's going to be more scheme-dependent and won't have as high of a ceiling as what you saw with a guy like Sam Beal. So Washington gets a solid player. For what they do, definitely going to be a depth guy. I don't see him really growing into too, uh, you know, uh, too much more than than a role player for them. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, in like in today's NFL, you know, with the amount of passing that there is, I mean, you can you can come in and be that zone guy and 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 rotate in and still have a really productive career. So it's not necessarily a negative thing per se. Yeah. But um, well, you know, the, anytime I was going to say, anytime you can you can get a six round pick. And you know, turn a six-round pick into a, a solid contributor. I mean, that's that, that's hitting gold right there, right? Yeah. So if he does end up being a solid contributor for Washington for years to come, I mean, then it's worth worth the the pick, you know. And you know, this isn't the end-all, be-all for for teams with supplemental draft. You can teams can still add players. Uh, for example, Ian Rappaport reported that Cleveland was working out. Uh, they spent the day with uh, former CFL cornerback Jordan Holland. Uh, he's got a little bit of a connection to Cleveland. He's the son of Johnny Holland, who was actually the Browns linebacker coach 2016 under Ray Horton. And now I think he's with the 49ers. So uh, Jordan Holland played with the Gladiators in 2017. So kind of familiar with Cleveland. He's 5'10", 190 pounds. I don't, have, I don't know much else about him. Never seen him play. I just saw that, uh, that news today. So... Browns fans, possibly we could add another cornerback to this to the room, and uh, we're you know we're actually going to talk about the secondaries for the Bills and the Browns here and coming up in quarters two and three. But before we get there, uh, we got to touch on this last thing uh, for top news because it's going to play a big factor possibly in this next uh, season coming up here, uh, and that's uh, Shady McCoy. You Man. know. Nick texted me the other day. He said, like, oh, we got to talk about Shady McCoy. And I didn't know what he was talking about. You know what I mean? And then finally I got around to it and I, I saw it and I was like, oh shit. I was like, this could change everything. Well, you know, as it's the Bill's best player on offense. Yeah. First off. So, I mean, yeah, remove, he, at one point he was the best player on the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, remove your best offensive threat and what do you got? You know, I mean, I don't, I didn't have very, very high expectations for the Bills this year. Um, I'm just trying to be realistic. I know the players in the locker room think they're going to be way better than, you know, like, and they, they very well could come out and win six, eight games and, you know, blow my expectations out of the water. Then that's that's a quarterback play. Like we've talked about. And trust me, I want them. I mean, I want them to go 16 and 0 and win a Super Bowl. Like that's what I want them to do. But uh, I'm just trying to be, trying to be as realistic as I can with what I can see. And, 
you lose Shady McCoy, I just think you're losing a, you know, that that's that's the guy. Like, that is l- the literal engine that runs the offense. Everything goes through him. And, you know, you lose a guy like that, potentially it could be a big blow to the season. It could be a big blow to expectations, um, you know, but kind of sets them up for what you're looking at in the future. But uh, for any of you that have been potentially living under a rock and have no idea what the hell's going on and why we're talking about Shady, um, I get to work the other day. I turn on the old tweeter, and the very first thing I see is an Instagram photo of his ex-girlfriend just bloodied, swollen face, ICU. It was bad. and then I read the Instagram post of talking about LaShawn McCoy being the devil and how he, you know, beats beats his wife, takes PEDs, beats his kid, beats his dog. And I'm just like, whoa, they're laying a bunch of shit out there all at one time. Like, everything came out at once. Right. It's, like, it's like, okay, what's going on? So the alleged – the way the story is with all the details that we have out now is that she was in a house that LaShawn McCoy owns – and has been residing there for, for a decent amount of time. Um, apparently LaShawn McCoy and her have been broken up and they've been tr- like LaShawn McCoy has been attempting to evict her from the house. Uh, some of the court orders and things that have been issued um, were allegedly like uh, remissible in court. So that, you know, like some of the stuff, like he's been trying to do it, but it hasn't been going very well. Like it, it, he hasn't really done the legal, the legal steps that he needed to, to, to get it done. They were doing court to actually go over this issue uh, today or yesterday, excuse me, but uh, and that would have been Tuesday the tenth. Um, but there was scheduling conflict, so like, you know, he he's been trying to go through the legal system to try to get her out of this house because they've been broken up, and he's just trying to send her on her way. Well, she arrived at the house at the house Monday, um, Monday morning, and an intruder broke in, and I'm gonna. Uh, quotes, I guess, you know, broke in, um, according to, according to, um, uh, his ex-girlfriend, the man demanded specific items of jewelry and things from her and proceeded to, once she didn't give them up, proceeded to assault her uh, and assaulted one other person in the residence. And that's where it kind of stood. And, you know, we're getting mix of details on, we're, we're, what happened to the security footage? Well, the security cameras, apparently, she shut them off. Um, she's claiming that LaShawn McCoy came in and reinstalled all new security, uh, new cameras and a new security system in the house. Therefore, she didn't have access to it because he redid everything. Um, you know, there's just been some some kind of things that, that don't make sense, but the, her attorney put out a statement saying that it was a specifically, and the police even said that they think it was a specific a specifically targeted incident where this home wasn't just picked at random. Like it was specifically picked by the the person that broke in and did it, Um, which is concerning as a Bills fan. It's concerning to me, but at the end of the day, man, if this all comes out to be true and you know, LaShawn McCoy, everybody, he has an alibi. He was in Florida at the time of the incident. So he didn't have any, you know, it wasn't him that did it, but you know, if it comes out where, he hired somebody. He may have had a buddy, or you know what I mean. Like, right, right, right. I'm, 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 I'm already saying right now. If, if push goes to shove and the legal justice plays out and he's found guilty of this, I am 
probably just going to – I don't want to burn my jersey in the middle of the street, but I'll probably throw my LaShawn McCoy jersey away at that point. But, uh, you know, it's just it's just a shitty thing. I mean, you can't condone anybody that wants to either do it themselves or right. hire somebody to go in and beat the shit out of a woman. Like, that's just not cool. So, you know, we're still waiting for the, the process to play out, you know, more details to come out on the situation. But a la Ezekiel Elliott, you don't necessarily need to be found guilty to be suspended. And he very well could be found not guilty by a court of law and still be suspended because the NFL, that's what they do. So, you know, especially when you're coming to protecting an image of a, of a league um, that has been notorious for having domestic violence cases and, you know, violence and, uh, crime uh, amongst players, you know, that's one of the things that they're going to try to protect against and say, hey, we don't condone this behavior. It's against the personal conduct policy, et cetera. So, you know, that's that's to be determined, especially for us Bills fans. Like, we don't know what exactly is going to go on. But, you know, if he's found guilty, I'll tell you right now, Justin, he's, he's, he's not a Bill anymore. He's cut, he's banned, oh, yeah. he's done. Like, that, that's just how it's going to be. So... You know, we're still waiting to see. Like, we got to let this all play out. But it was a bombshell of a story, man. Like, what did I tell you last week? The only news that comes out for football at this time of year is not good. Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, once I saw that, I'm like, man, of course. You know, it's got to be. And, of course, it's their best player. Like, it yeah. couldn't be. You know what I mean? But he's so had, I mean, in the past, there's been speculation that he's not been the most – you know, good guy, you know, right. Stand up individual. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll find out soon. I'm, there's going to be an investigation. Uh, I, I didn't really, uh, originally when I read it, you know, cause like I, you mentioned the Instagram post or whatever of the friend, right. Making it seem like it was him that did, did it physically like him personally, but like, man, that girl looked rough. Yeah. And she she's like a pretty girl. Yeah. Like you saw that you see that if you haven't seen that picture, man, go look at it, man. She she that makes makes him look like a like a saint. And, yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna be difficult to find. Like you guys could definitely find oh, yeah. find out, you know, what, what exactly was going on. It's, I mean, I'm gonna it, warn you guys right now, it's graphic. So if you don't want to see anything as, graphic, don't look at it. Right. It's just as bad as when uh what was it, War Machine they called him? It was like a MMA fighter who beat up the porn star, was it Christy Mack? Like whooped her ass? It's like that, but just as bad or yeah. worse. Yeah. yeah. So it's unbelievable. It's pretty- so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you guys, you know, that's just going to be one of the things that we got to, we got to play the waiting game on it. You so, know? so, so um, let's, let's say that he gets suspended. Let's just say you don't have him for the whole year. Right. Just, just the, so what, what do you think the bills do? They just roll with Chris Ivory for the whole season and then just kind of, well, they got some depth there, a little bit of depth. But, I mean, at that point, you're cutting – like I said, you cut him, you save some money on the cap, uh, you know, you, and your cap hits reduced next year as well uh, because of that. And yeah, because the Bills are projected to have one of the highest uh, for next season. They're gonna One of the higher cap yeah. figures next yeah. year, yeah. So, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, they probably sign a street free agent, a guy that's cut from training camp this year somewhere along the line. Uh, I mean, DeMarco Murray's a potential target there. He's a, he's a guy that's still available. So yeah, I do think, I do think they sign somebody uh, in, in the wake of, you know, if that's what happens, but 
you know, it, it hurts their chances of being a, being a good squad because, I mean, we all know, I mean, Shady finished has finished the last couple of years in, in the top five of, of running backs. So he obviously brings a lot to the table. So, you know, you're, you're, that, that's what at least I expect to see. I, I do expect him to sign somebody from a depth standpoint, um, assuming that this plays out where he's not going to be on the team or he's not going to be, um, you know, playing a full 16-game season for them. So uh, it's unfortunate, man. I mean, it's just it's shitty that the whole thing even had to go down. And, right. you know, obviously I hope that the the woman that was involved it makes a speedy recovery. And I just hope none of it is true. I hope, I hope it boils down to where, you know, he's not involved. And, you know, it's just kind of a, it's just a sticky situation. Um, very unfortunate that it had to happen as well. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I until I get, I can't really pass judgment one way or the other. I don't know which side of the until I get more yeah, facts on it. And, right, because we don't you know, really know so. yet. But we're but, probably going to find out very soon. I would imagine by the time camp ends, who knows how long the investigation will take. But right, you would think. Right, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of lot of legal factors involved, and you know, this litigation could could go on almost all year. You never know. Like it, it could drag on through the whole season. So. Yeah. I make think. Do you think? Do you think something like that, like mentally, affects his game going into a season? Like, say they don't have a resolution on this issue, and going into the season, you think like that weighs on him mentally, or do you think that he kind of blows it off and whatever? He might, but it's. Gonna, I think. I think it's going to be tough because, um, you know, the way media works nowadays. Even even if let's say he's found innocent, right? People, there's still going to be a ton of people who are just going to assume that he was guilty. Uh, if he's found innocent and they're going to hate him regardless. So like he's going to, he's going to face that every day, no matter what. And I, no matter how much you try, like to just like block that. I mean, at that level, when you're a celebrity like that and an athlete, like eventually I feel like it's going to take a toll. I mean, not to get like too like political or anything with this, but like, how would you, do you think that people that are out to just like defame famous people or like athletes or anything like that do you think that they should have some sort of like equal punishment like you need to go to jail for x amount of you know what i mean like because you because you're out there lying about something trying to trying to get like you know money out of it or whatever the case might be i'm not saying that's the what's happening here oh you're saying like just like in general like like look at for example gary and conley or i mean even in ruben foster's case like it was proven that the bruises that she claimed that oh i see what you're saying Ruben Foster cause were actually caused from a completely separate incident in which he wasn't even there. So like, so like, do you think, do you think that like from a justice standpoint, they should be punished in that case or do you, absolutely. Especially if the chick like claims rape and she really wasn't raped, they find out later on the road and like it's happened and the, and the person spends so many years in jail and then they let him out. It's like, dude, absolutely. Then like you literally fucked up his life. On a, right. on a lie. So there's definitely got to be something done about that. Well, and you know, and it's not, it's not to say like, you know, because you did that, you're, you know, it, what it boils down to is that uh, the root of the, the root of the problem is, is that you make these claims and with social media now, you know, you're, that's your name, that's your reputation. That's everything about you. You know what I mean? Right. You, you get a claim like that made against you and you go out into the real world and you try to do something and an employer says, well, I'm going to Google this dude's name. And the very first thing you see is rape allegations, the whole nine yards and blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that employer 
those people in your community, like they have a different mindset of you. You know what I mean? Right, so it, right. it doesn't, you might be, you know, innocent walking down the street. Like I have never done anything wrong in my entire life, but because of that, you're going to have a different perception, whether, whether you like it or not. And right. you know, yeah, at the end of the day, I probably need to reciprocate some sort of, you know, punishment for that. But in reality, you know, it should never get to that point because theoretically your, our justice systems should, not allow it to get to that point. You know what I mean? If the justice system does what it needs to do, you know, you're never going to have guys that are wrongfully convicted and things like that. So, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, it's a, it's, it's a big blow. I mean, your reputation is everything and social media, social media kind of makes that much more important than it it probably should be. Times 10. Absolutely. Yep. But, um, well, while we're uh, talking about the bills, let's, uh, move into quarter two and, uh, we're going to, we're going to break down, the past couple of weeks, we've been breaking down uh, certain position groups and in, in also like within the division as well. But since the we're going to do cornerbacks and safeties this week, and since it's kind of a little bit more people, we're going to just kind of focus on, on the Bills and the Browns secondaries. So, um, you know, maybe throw in some comparisons uh, within the league and where we think maybe they rank compared to everybody else. But uh, just to save time. That's where main focus is going to be versus all the other teams in the division. So let's start with the Bills and look at this, the, the cornerbacks they got here. And I'm looking at right here on ourlads.com, which we've been using for the last couple of weeks. And uh, and let me know if you agree with this. For, but just from an outsider, you know, being a Browns fan, looking at this and looking at the rest of the division, I, I feel like with the cornerbacks that the Bills have, you know, getting Monte Davis um, this year, I, dude, I think they got probably one of the, one of the best – cornerback duos right now well you know that was you know my my thing was going to be uh you know we just got done talking about some depressing shit from Sean McCoy (laughs) and good news Bills fans our secondary is actually pretty solid um so like the way I look at it you know our safeties obviously let's start there let's just start with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer um Solid players last year, man. B- blended into that zone scheme that that uh, Sean McDermott likes to run. Uh, he runs a lot of cover. He does a lot of a lot of different coverages. You know, a lot of different zone zone schemes. Uh, you know, a lot of cover twos, red defenders. He got uh, you know a mix of of cover threes in there as well. And he does a very good job of disguising uh, his his um, what he's trying to accomplish on a, on a specific play mm-hmm. and. You need guys in the back, you know, on the back end of it that are going to be able to communicate and be able to dictate and pass off, uh, you know, those coverages. That's that's primary with zone. You're going to have to be pe- passing off players and communicating constantly. So, I mean, these guys are just consummate pros, man. I mean, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer did a fantastic job of communicating, being in the right place at the right time. Um, had career years last year for, for our squad. So, uh, I, I'm really excited about what they bring. I mean, they're solid fundamentally, solid tacklers, just ball hawks. They're not going to lay the wood. They're not going to, you know, destroy you. But they're going to – if they if you run into them, they're going to make a tackle. And that's kind of what you look for in a, in a zone-based scheme. Um, and like you alluded to as well, man, you got the secondary help of Vontae Davis. Um, I don't know what to expect out of Vontae, to be honest with you. I'm excited about the potential of what he brings to the table. I think – when he played for Indianapolis, you know, one of the, one of the big things that I, when I kind of went back and I looked at stats and I looked at a couple different things and some breakdowns on him, uh, the biggest thing that came up was consistency. He will have four consistent, awesome games. And then just kind of like all of a sudden, like 
there's a slot, you know, a slump. Uh, and health was another thing. So guy stays healthy. He's going to be, he should be a solid number two corner. Um, what I like about it is the fact that he's a vet and he provides a lot of insight for other guys in that secondary like Tredavious White. So but he played for the Colts last year, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he was hurt. He had a groin, groin oh, injury last year. Yeah. And he was, he was hurt most of the year, but yeah, he spent the last few seasons with the Colts, man. And he was very solid. And I'm looking down through the list of just corners um, in the division, just in general. Yeah. And I think the bills have probably the best duo in, in, in uh, the AFC East. Um, you could definitely argue Stefan Gilmore uh, and Jason McCourty um, and uh why can't I think of the guy's name? He was a – oh, Butler. Um, uh, Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler, that's it, yeah. So, I had, a, had one of those moments, man. I don't know. I just could not – I could see the guy that he got benched in the Super Bowl. I know everything about him. I know what he's, his favorite breakfast food is. But I can't name him. Uh, so, like, yeah. So, um, I think they're going to be a, one, of the, one of the teams in the division that could, like – contest them contest the bills for that but i think the one-two punch with tredavious white and vontae davis in, in the afc east is outstanding and i'm really looking forward to seeing these guys operate this year um just in the backfield i mean they stay healthy like they did last year i'm expecting big things from the secondary yeah i mean you know your 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 defensive line which we'll probably talk about maybe next week or whatever is gonna be pretty solid and i i think vontae davis you don't really have to expect a whole lot because uh Davius White's going to be your locked on corner, right? And, yeah. You know, we had we had Jordan Poyer at safety for the Browns. I, I don't know what happened there when they had decided to let him go. I, I think it might have been a locker room fit. I know, but the dude has talent. So, you know, you got those strong safeties. And, you know, Vontae Davis, I, I think, as long as he's healthy, can play with, with everybody else around him, I think, very well. So, I, I think as a whole, you know, I think obviously a defense is going to be the Bill's strong point. And Wait. Pretty, pretty I do think that the whole the defense in its entirety is going to take a step forward uh, this this season for sure. I you know one of the things that I think is going to help the secondary they should have a little bit more of a pass rush this year. They I mean I think their linebacker play should be a little bit better. You know uh, all of that stuff is going to contribute to coverages and you know you got guys that are in the system or year two in the system uh, that hopefully take a step forward. And I'm really curious to see what kind of step forward Tredavious White takes. Um, I think he's going to be the cornerstone at, at, at the corner spot for the Bills this year. And I, I'm really excited to see what kind of steps he does take. Um, I, I thought, you know, last year, as far as defensive rookie of the years go, I mean, he was right there, you know. And I think he had a stellar season, very, you know, very much on par with uh, the type of season that Marshawn Lattimore had. Um, and, you know, when it, when, it boils down, when it comes down to it, man, he was healthy. He was healthy all year. You know, I, I feel like that's a big factor and that's something I look for in my players. I want, I want my best players to play every game they possibly can. And he was healthy all year last year. So I'm excited about the secondary. I think the Bills secondary is definitely one of the best in the AFC East could potentially be one of the better secondaries or, you know, just in general in the whole entire AFC as well. So what can you tell me? I don't know much about this guy that your strong safety, uh, Mika, Mika Hyde. Oh, Micah Hyde. Yeah. Micah Hyde. Uh, he tra- transplanted from green Bay. Um, solid, just solid. He's let, had career year interceptions last year, made the Pro Bowl. Like you know, the guy was the, the guy was like a stud. Um, 
very, very involved with the defense, a very versatile guy too. So you need him to play man or, you know, isolate on a, on a tight end um, on the outside, or, you know, it gives what they have in place and what Sean McDermott likes to do. LaShawn, or Sean McDermott likes to have versatile players everywhere. So Mike Hyde might not be a safety. He might roll down and be, be a cover corner on the outside on a play, or, you know, there's a lot of different variations that they do. And it's those type of players that they like to have because then you can disguise your coverages better and you can match up a little bit better based on formations and things. And you, you give your, you give other offenses much more difficult time diagnosing what you're trying to accomplish on a given play. And Micah Hyde brings that versatility. Jordan Poyer brings that versatility as well. So um, that's what I like about those two safeties. They're not like pigeonholed into a safety role. They can do multiple things. And I think that's, I think that's been, that's the key to that defense. That's the key to uh, what Sean McDermott tries to accomplish. So what, uh, you know, looking at everybody else in the division, who do you think, like, do you, where, where do you think the secondary ranks number, like one through, well, yeah, one through four, like is one being uh, the in the AFC East. Like I said, man, I think it's, they're either one or two. I, I think they're right there with, you know, I mean, you could argue with Stephon Gilmore and Jason McCourty and uh, Butler, Malcolm Butler. Like, you could argue that the, the Patriots have the best secondary in the AFC. Butler, Butler's gone, but, right? But, oh, yeah, I, mean, I was, I'm just saying, like, just in general, like, you could have, yeah. you could have said that, but. McCord, I mean, McCourty's getting older. He, he played very well with the Browns last year, and he'll probably I, play well this year, but still, he's getting older. He's like, what? He's in his 30s now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here going, looking at what Stefan Gilmore brought to the table when uh, he played for Buffalo and people ripped on him. I mean, he was a solid corner. He was a definitely above average corner. Um, but I think, I think what Trey white did last year kind of surpassed what everyone's expectations were. You know, I mean, I think Trey white was the guy that, you know, we saw that is what we expected Stefan Gilmore to be in Buffalo. I just don't think Stefan liked playing in Buffalo, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think there was something about it that he just, he did not enjoy his time here. And I think that reflected in his play. But, uh, I mean, the Jets, the Jets, man, are, are close second. I mean, you got Jamal Adams, who's a stud. Um, you know, you got Morris Claiborne, Tremaine Johnson. You got some solid corners out there. Uh, I, I think they're they're a contender for that. And who knows, man? I mean, Xavier Howard and, and Cordrea Tankersley for Miami are, are very good players. And, I mean, who knows what, what does Minka Fitzpatrick do for Miami this year, you know? So they could have the next Tredavious wipe type player yeah. out there, you know, vying for working of the year. So it's a very competitive division for secondary, but I, I, I like to, I like to think like the bills are up there and I think they might have the best secondary in that, in that cover, that division. And then uh, uh Patriots, maybe a close second there um, as far as how I see it. So. Well, we're going to find out sooner than later. Is, uh, what about, what about, about them brownies, man? Well, we'll talk about the brownies here moving into quarter three with their secondary, starting with the cornerbacks. Uh, the cornerback room looks completely different than last year. Uh, just on the totally moves that they've made, you know. Uh, so, obviously, Denzel Ward, they were uh, – Obviously, it was it was, it was they aren't pads yet, you know, just from the mini camps and stuff. They say his athleticism is unreal and the speed that he plays at. So I'm gonna go ahead and pencil him in as you know one of the cornerbacks. Uh, supposedly he's a lockdown corner, and hopefully he is because that would be great. They definitely. You think he's uh, th- think he starts the year as CB one, or do you think he's uh, 
other outside guy? You know, I, I think I'm not going to roll out the possibility of him starting at, at, you know, day one. But the good thing is, is you have some, some cornerback depth that, you know, like if, if you're kind of worried about that, like you, you don't really have to. You got Brian Bally, uh, Cal, Calhoun, who played well last year, who could definitely play in that role. Um, I got EJ Gaines from Buffalo, who you've even said, like, hey, if the kid's healthy, like, he's he's good. So um, I expect EJ Gaines to be a starter right now. Um, they did draft another guy, uh, Simeon Thomas, who's like a big corner who's been impressive in mini camp. So as camp folds out, we're going to see how those guys play with the pads on. Um, uh, Terrence Mitchell got in a little bit last year, I believe. Uh, but he's he's further down down the depth chart. So I would I would definitely just look for – uh, body count, Brian Body Calhoun, Denzel Ward, and EJ Games for sure. Um, but I, I just think right now what they got secondary wise or with the cornerbacks that it's just way it's way better than last year. So hopefully they'll be able to stop the problem they had last year with you know those little fucking seven yard those little quick passes that turned into twenty yard gains, thirty yard gains. You know that really just fucking depleted our defense. <laughs> uh, but and then you know you look at safeties. Uh, you, know, you you got Jabril Peppers moving into a position where he, you know, should have been playing last year, uh, where he's going to be more towards the box instead of 20 yards off the ball. I know I've mentioned that on the podcast numerous times, you know. But, uh, you know, Greg Williams admits this, you know, now that the Browns didn't have anybody else to play in that position, so that's why he played there. And it kind of sucks because you're taking one of your most athletic people out of, out of you know, the box. So – expect him to have a better, a better year. And then you pick up Demarius Randall from green Bay who played cornerback, who was pretty solid, but actually played safety at ASU here in Arizona uh, when he was there. So he's going back to safety, a position he is familiar with and what he played for most of his uh, career. So I think uh, that helps a lot. You know, a guy that played in the league, played well at corner and now is going to safety and, you know, I think I think it's going to be a nice transition. So I think our safeties are going to be way better than last year as well. And then you have uh, Derek Kindred, who who played very well last year, too, is probably going to rotate in at that safety spot. And like you were talking about Buffalo, I think uh, you know having Demarius Randall having that corner uh, experience as a cornerback. You know, don't be surprised if you see him bump down at cornerback from time to time. You know, because uh, that's that's the way that uh, Greg Williams likes his players to be. He likes them to be able to play more than one position and learn multiple positions. So uh, I think that uh, is, is a good thing. So we have a lot, a lot more players that can play multiple in different, you know, different positions that is going to help this team out, I believe. Well, especially when you're looking at like defenses now, you know, we were talking about this before we started the podcast was, uh, you know, that you're, you're kind of transplanting, you know, a roster spot that you may have had for a linebacker. You're now stashing on an extra defensive back because most of these in, in this passing league, you got more, you, you want more versatile guys on the defensive, in the defensive backfield, um, you know, try to do some different things, confuse teams, uh, disguise coverages, things of that nature. So having those versatile guys that can slot in and play a corner or bump back to safety. I mean, that's key. That's what Jimmy Smith did forever. You know what I mean? Uh, who's currently with the, the Ravens. Like, you know, he played safety, he played corner. He was out there doing uh doing a, playing a versatile role. And that's, that's kind of big time. I mean, that, that helps you as a defensive coordinator. That's what you want. And it helps you out immensely. So 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good thing. Demarius Randall was actually a, a solid pickup for you guys because he offers that versatility in the backfield. Yeah, and, you know, I'm looking, you know, for me to rank the secondary of the Browns, you know, in the division, it, it, like I've been saying, it's tough for me to kind of, like, do that right now just because we haven't seen everything live yet in any games. So I'm still going to put them forth. You know, until we see them play, I I would argue that like, as good as the Steelers are, mainly it's because of their stacked fucking offense, and they do have they usually generally do have really good linebackers and stuff. But when you look at the Steelers secondary and their safeties, like they they look they're they're kind of older. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the one thing I would say that's the uh, weakness for 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 the Steelers. So, but they're well, they're they're going to be good. So, but based on that, like I said, I can't. I'm going to have to still put the Browns at four. In well, the last EJ, EJ Gaines could very well come in and be the third, the third best corner in this division. Oh yeah. Um, depending on how Denzel Ward plays, that's going to be a big thing for you guys. You know, like what, what's Denzel Ward going to do? I mean, Denzel Ward could end up being the best corner in that whole, in that whole division, you know? Right. Um, I mean, since he's got a good, got a good group, uh, William Jackson is a stud by the way. Uh, yeah. Drake since, Patrick since, is since, okay. Cincinnati's got a pretty good defense. Patrick's been solid. You know, that's that's another thing too. Like I, I think since he could could be up there. They got a, they got a pretty solid defensive line too. So yeah. Well, and you know, like you said, I mean, I know they're aging, but Artie Burns and Joe Hayden are no slouches at all. So I mean right, right. Uh, those guys, those guys bring it every week and they're reliable. So um, you know, but like I said, EJ Gaines could come step right in and be just on paper right now, third or fourth best corner in this division, um, with the Steelers probably having one and three, you know what I mean? Uh, so right, right away, like that, that's a good sign. And then who, who knows what Denzel does? I mean, Denzel Ward could very well come in. And like I said, he could be a stud and just blow everybody out of the water and be the best corner in that division. He has the potential to do that. So you guys are in a good spot for your yeah. defensive. Secondary. I mean, I'm, I'm de- like I said, I'm definitely excited on paper. Everything looks great. And I'm just excited, you know, wait these two weeks out, get, get, get to camp, get to uh, get to some actual, Back to our, you know, our good content that we, you know, all the juicy like, stuff, like we would when the season starts. I can't wait till the season starts, man. I can't wait to talk about Ohio State and break down all the games and stuff. Oh yeah, and, you know where the, where the podcast gets real fucking interesting and really, you know, really good. Well, and one of the things you know it gives everybody. I mean, the reason we do these training camp breakdowns is kind of give you a preview of some of the names that are going to be out there. You know, like some of the guys that you want to really pay attention to because. Who knows? Most of these guys that we talk about, some of them might not be around, you know, and there's a lot that can change uh, from now until the start of season. But, you know, it just gives you some stuff to get a little familiar with. You start hearing this name a little bit more, guess what? You know, that's that's somebody that that we said put on the radar. So, you know, that's that's just one of the – why we do a lot of these breakdowns for you guys is so that way you can be familiar with the personnel that's out there. Yeah. And it gives us content because uh, let me tell you something, guys, if you're listening to this, and by the way, I'm gonna move, this is going to be quarter four where we just ramble about some shit before we end the show. But uh, you know, coming up with content for the show, like right now or during the off season is, is pretty fucking tough. You know what I mean, it takes some work like to, to plan some shit and then try to, I mean, we, we, our, our podcast average is average about an hour and a half. We don't, we don't want them to, they just kind of we go on these rants and it just kind of happens. So, we try to keep it short as possible and uh, it's harder than you think. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. The good thing is about camp coming up is literally like the first week, like after a week you're in the, you're in the preseason games, right? 
So a lot of the players we're talking about, some of the rookies and all that, you know, that kind of thing are going to be playing like right away within a week of, of camp opening up or a week, week and a half, whatever it is. I know the Hall of Fame game is what, that first week of August maybe? Um, maybe August 5th, I think. I could be wrong there. I've double-checked that. Is that right? I think so. It's something like that. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty quick. So that kicks off preseason. You're into, the, you're into it. And you know what I the, – the, the one thing that I do like about this podcast or, or, or doing this is it actually makes preseason more bearable because before it was like ah, I fucking hate preseason. I just want to get it done and over with. Right, yeah. right. Like nobody gives a shit. But like now it's kind of like all right, we've covered all this people, these people in the draft process. Kind of want to see them play, even though it's the you know second, third, fourth stringers, you know practice squad players, whatever. We know a lot of the people on the field and to see them in the NFL uniform and seeing them play is kind of it's kind of cool. Like you have more of an appreciation for it. But with that being said, I would like them to drop preseason to like two games. I think I think two or three games for a preseason is plenty, um, you know. But as a coach, you want to see these guys in game action. You, yeah. you know what I mean? So I get I get the merit of it. But I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I will. I sit down, I sweat bullets the entire time. Like who's going to get hurt in this one? You know what I mean? Oh, right, right, Gardner's right. going to be out for this season in this preseason game. Like that's the stuff that that kills me. So. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, do I, I don't want to see any preseason games, to be honest with you. I want to see, like, season starts, let's go. But I understand the the, right. the mental reps and getting prepared, you know, and, and getting a look at these guys on game film, and that, that's important for a team uh, to, to, to really break down and analyze their personnel. So do you think that, like, if they didn't have any preseason games and they just had – and they – well, I mean, some teams do. I don't know if they still do. I haven't heard of anybody do that. Sometimes they, they'll – like the Browns and the Bills used to do a scrimmage like on their own for practice. Do you think like if teams just did that a couple times and like they could they could see enough? Completely different field getting the, getting the uniforms on. You know right, I mean? right. But, I, I mean, like some, some of these um, – some of these players don't even get to play that much in the preseason. So how much – I mean, there's a lot of – before they make the cuts, the 53-man roster, I mean, there's over, like, 90 people. So, it's like people the, – the, the people that aren't, like, big names really don't get that many reps. So, it's kind of like, like, how much do you need? To, like, I feel like the coaches would should know pretty relatively quickly for practice, like, if someone's going to cut it or not. I don't know. See, I, I, I mean, game action is – like I said, I think game action is a completely different thing. You know, how do you, how do you perform under that pressure? Like, how are you going to remember your assignments under that pressure? Like, I mean, you, you might go through practice and have the playbook down and then get into a game and freeze, you know, like you, you don't know that until you're actually in a game situation. Um, you know, the, how often does that happen? It's hard to say because you don't really like as an outsider looking in, you don't really know what the play calls are or what they're, you know, what the specific situation is or what's going on in the huddle and things of that nature. But you know, for these players, it's good because they get exposure to a different team. They get exposure to different scheme. They get, a, you know, just a bunch of different things that are out there uh, and all the variables that go into football. So I can see the value from a coaching standpoint. Hey, you know, maybe not, maybe not necessarily evaluation, but, you know, these coaches get to put their stuff in play, you know, I guess their stuff, it's mostly vanilla, but right. they get to kind of just see live bullets and, you know, as a player, I mean, scrimmages are fine, but they're not as regulated as what a game would be. Um, you know, you're, you're not running into as many situations. Like the, the variable aspect in a game is what 
is really the value of experience you get out of it, whether it's a preseason game or a regular season game. You know, you can say, hey, we're running two-minute drills now, okay, in a scrimmage, you know it's a two-minute drill. You know what I mean? Uh, in, in a game, there's so many different things that lead up to it that it helps you kind of test your test your knowledge, test your, you know, what your, your strategies and things in a little bit, uh, kind of poke and prod holes in, in, in certain things. So, you know, it, it's important for overall, just an overall standpoint, but I would say maybe not as much for a player evaluation. I mean, that def- definitely plays into it, but I think it's more of a, how do we look, you know, especially like guys on the bubble. I think they have a majority, you know, I think they're really mostly looking at, we have a majority of this down. We're just looking at roster bubble guys. How are they doing? Like, you know, what are we, how do they look on film and just go from there. So they're important for an organization. I don't, I mean, from a fan standpoint, we hate it because like I said, you know, how many people, how many people watch a preseason game and just cross their fingers that, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to even go to them too because they charge yeah. you fucking money. It's like this shit should be free. Um, I spent seventeen dollars on a preseason game. Uh, for this for, year for the Bills and Browns one. Bills and Browns and oh, I'm that's gonna, it. Yeah, seventeen bucks. Damn. That was it. Huh. So I'm gonna go that Thursday and uh, watch my watch my boy Josh Allen do work. Hopefully, I get to see a lot of them. Yeah. Hopefully, they uh, give him some time in there. You know, see what they got. He should be. He should be the third quarterback. So I would assume that he gets a decent amount. A decent. I mean, I'm so. hoping the same thing for Baker as well. I'm not sure if they'll throw Drew Stanton in there or not, just because you know you know what you're getting from Drew Stanton. He's been in the league a long time. Right. No surprises so, there. Right. You know, hopefully they can get Baker in there and, and you know get him get his feet wet a little bit. You know. Yes, sir. For most of that preseason, but um, yeah. I mean, is there any anything else going on that you uh, want to throw in here before yeah. we? Only thing that I, I want to bring up is uh, I, I saw this today and it cracks me up because I've never voiced my opinion about the guy, but he's uh, I, I, Jeff Fisher, uh, former coach of the Rams, is apparently going to be hired by Fox to be a uh, an analyst, and the guy is just like the most like not uh, for forward thinking in the game. Yeah, you know. And that's just one of the things that I always is like, I, I look at, like, I look at the guy, oh, fourth and inches. Like I'm always, I'm always a, a proponent of progressive thinking in the NFL, move forward, advance your offense, be a little bit more creative, you know, uh, on a fourth and inches, let, let's look at the analytics. Let's say what percentage of the time, does, uh, how does this affect our score effects in a game? Um, you know, and, how, how, how much of a percentage of success is there relatively speaking in certain situations, blah, blah, blah. Like I, from an analytics standpoint, like I feel like the NFL can incorporate analytics. The Philadelphia Eagles did it. Uh, the 76ers have done it in the basket, you know, in basketball, um, you know, like just to, just to analyze that sort of stuff. And Jeff Fisher is like the exact opposite. Like, yeah. it's just like old school mindset. Um, so like the guy coming into doing it as an analyst, I, I understand the premise. He was a former coach. He's been in the NFL, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I just don't think he offers that much. Well, I, I just don't think he offers that much insight 
Well, I just, I just mean lucky as in, like, the dude was with Tennessee for so many years. I mean, they had the one good run. Other than that, I mean, he's really done nothing as a head coach. Right. I mean, he's, he's a, was a mediocre coach. So, you know, going into, going into broadcasting, it kind of just shows you, like, first off, how big of a fraternity the NFL is and how, like, you can just be, you know, a mediocre guy and big still man. end up with a – yeah, your, your name's out there. Um, so, like, at the end of the day, I, I feel like, you know, if you guys are going to want to get some really good quality breakdowns and just, like, you know, kind of a little bit better insight, you turn to Tony Romo versus a Jeff Fisher. You know what I mean? So – uh, one thing I do want to read real quick before I get off this high horse is uh, one of these guys, he's, he just tweeted this, and this shit's funny to me. I was cracking up. He goes, Jet, and he's doing this as if he's Jeff Fisher broadcasting a game right now. It's like, see, this is all wrong. They're scoring way too many points. You want to make sure your defense has a reason to try. That's why I, I tried my hardest to ruin Vince Young's career. Oh, <laughs> that's fun. So, um, so, yeah, that's, that's it. And uh, So, I mean – I just thought it was kind of interesting that they're bringing him aboard. So that is very, very interesting. The only, the one, the one thing that I want to touch on before we get off here is, uh, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this. So I was reading that uh, this happened, I think a couple weeks ago and I, I kind of wanted to talk about it, but it kind of slipped my mind. But so there is, there was a total of 17 NFL refs, right? And apparently four of the uh, guys that have been there like a long time, have retired. So that means this season you're going to get four more new NFL refs, possibly more than that. Maybe they bring in some newbies and get rid of some, some other people. I don't know. But with all the problems with some of the calls people weren't happy with last year, I mean, there was a lot of shitty calls. Um, yeah. Like it, I know. <laughs> is, this, <laughs> is this going to be a, a big deal? You know, and like, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be kind of tough? I think they did it. Some of the rules changes. I, I think that's going to be the biggest growing pain. And in, in a time where we have new, new officials on top of the fact that there's like new rules that, you know, that we're going to be enforcing from like the helmet to helmet hits and the, right. uh, the catch rule and things. I think there's going to be some growing pains. Um, the, I would hope that some of the more tenured referees, you know, kind of step into that lead referee role. And then you start to see, you know, uh, kind of that trickle down effect there, but I don't think it's going to be too big of a deal. I am. I, I want to see how it plays out. I'm willing to kind of hedge my bets that it's not going to be as big of a deal as, as a lot of people are making it out to be, but I could be completely wrong on this and it could be just completely, you know, just a, a, a damn catastrophe. Um, a la replacement refs, but it's not, it's not to that degree. You know what I mean? It's not to the degree of when we had the replacement refs in, in, in the game of football. But new guys haven't been exposed to some of the things that some of these vets have been exposed to. Um, I, I, I feel like maybe, you know, we're going to see some instances where game flow is going to be severely altered be, because of it. But uh, to, to what extent, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. But, yes, I do think that there's going to be some growing pains with it. But um, – I'm wondering if some the guys that retired, like the, these older older school dudes. I wonder if they were just like, man, like these roles are just crazy nowadays. He's like, you know, it's so hard to fucking decide. Maybe they're just like, fuck it, I don't even want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, because either either every decision you make for the most part, like there's there's especially if you're the team that's going against, like there's always probably going to be some biased opinions on on calls. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've done it. Yeah, absolutely. 
so there, you're always going to have some people, some people hating on the call. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and that's just the, that's the life of, a, of an official. Yeah. That's just the life, you know, that's, that's what they signed up for. You're going to, um, you know, you're never going to be, you're never going to be universally loved. Somebody's always going to hate you, you know? So, uh, at the end of the day though, I mean, I feel like the experience out there matters. Um, but some of the, some of the stuff, some of these guys, even as the vets, you know, Gene Steratore is sticking an index card in between the first down stick and the oh, football, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like shit like that. Like, <laughs> you know, that was never, that was never a rule that was never put in place as an official practice. And it's like, you, you know, so even though, even the veterans have their moments of what, the, what the hell's going on sort of deal. Right, so, right. Um, you know, I, it's going to be some growing pains, but these guys need, these guys need to be in there to get the experience and, you know, you might see it this year and then the next few years, like, you know, one ever mentions it again, because it's, it's not a big deal, you know? Yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, I'm still going to turn the games on and watch them every Sunday. And you know what? This is just some, uh, an excuse to really, really get after guys. If all three new officials, fuck these guys. I can't right. believe they made this call. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it gives, gives you get a little bit more something to be fired up, but I'm going to turn on every Sunday and watch games regardless. So, I mean, it can't be any worse than like when they hired that chick who, when they, actually the Browns were playing Washington, remember that? And the, it was like the first female referee and she, it was like a fumble, but the, 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 the I forget, I think it was Duke Johnson. I can't remember, but had the ball and she still gave it, they gave it to Washington. And even the replay, they're like, he has the football, but they still overturned the call. I do remember yeah. that, and oh that was, yeah. I that mean, but that, that stuff happens, you know. Yeah. The catch, the the Calvin Benjamin catch, no catch against the Patriots this year, you know. Like, you call it a catch on the field. How do you over? You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. different things. So that's gonna happen, man. That's just that's the human element of the game. I guess. I guess, guess. Guess what? If there if replay if replay didn't exist, oh god, uh, you would never know. Like, you'd be fine right. with the call because yeah. replay doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Right. right. So. Um, that's just a human element, man. You try to get it right, but sometimes you just can't. It's a double-edged sword with that replay, yep. man. The cameras yep. which are getting so good now. You can just fucking see everything. But, yeah, again, excited. A couple yes, more weeks, and we'll be, we'll be in there in camp. And then uh, preseason games, we'll be breaking them down. So For sure. And uh, I will, I'll keep everybody posted as I get information on LaShawn McCoy. I will, uh, I'll be sending it out and trying to, you know, for you Bills fans, try to keep everybody updated on it. So Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'll just follow all our social media platforms. Actually, this podcast is now pretty much everywhere. We're on Spotify now. Yep. We're on hey, buddy. iTunes. We're on Anchor. All, everything. Everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Stitcher. I listen to Stitcher all the time. It's like my main platform for podcasts. So we're on there as well. Bills Bounce Breakdown. It's awesome. Love it. Yeah. We're trying to grow this thing because you know, we yeah. love it. We love to do it. So. Follow us on Twitter, man, at Bill's Browns Pod. Like our Facebook page, Bill's Browns Breakdown. Um, we also have Instagram, too. Same, same as the Twitter. Yeah, we got Instagram now. Um, about to, I, I just fired up the YouTube machine, so we'll get the YouTube channel rolling here. I gotta get, uh, I gotta get some final, final touches put on that. But uh, um, make sure you guys subscribe too. Like, if you guys are iTunes listeners, subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe, subscribe on uh, Spotify, everywhere. Like, you know, just it, it would be greatly appreciated. Yes, even though if even if you only listen to one episode every other week or whatever, um, yeah. we want. We want them views because we want those views. So let's go. Actually, we want to hear from you. So if you have any questions or if you want to chime in and start a, start a discussion, go to anywhere. Yeah. Anytime. It doesn't have to be when we're recording. 
Yeah. Anytime. What do you want to talk about? Let us know at Bills Browns Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Bills Browns Breakdown, once again. And uh, we will we will interact with you guys because we love our fans. We don't have any probably right now. But it's all good. <laughs> but hey, if you are, we love you. We actually love you more because because you are. So yeah. yeah. But we have something to comment. Those are Browns fans. So very small niche, but hey. You know, best fan, fan two best fan bases in the uh, in the entire NFL. So absolutely I'm glad I'm glad we got our niche here, okay? I know. So but uh yeah, I think that's uh all we got for today. I got that's all I got. Tune in next week where we'll probably break down either the linebackers to the defensive line. Haven't decided yet. Let us know what you'd like us to do next to do next week. Um, and yeah, that's all we got. So y'all be sweet. Remember, go Bills, go Browns.